We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everyone? Welcome to BuzzBeat. We are live here on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter Video, I believe, and Twitter Spaces. The Hornets did finish up Summer League play this weekend with a win. They ended on a high note. But on this episode, we are going to speak on some of these rumors that have been floating around and how this offseason is shaking out. I am Richie, and I'll be joined by Brian today. Uh, there's a chance, slight chance that Spencer joins us via Twitter spaces, but we will see about that. As we get into this, be sure, as always, to give us a rating and review on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. I've actually been seeing the ratings go up past couple of days. It's kind of gone up like four or five ratings, but we still love to see those written reviews as well. We haven't seen one of those in a while. And lastly, subscribe to us on YouTube so you can catch our shows live like this one. And uh, BG, how's it going? I saw you watch the uh, the Hornets game on Saturday. I I can admit <laughs> I did not do that. I did not spend my Saturday watching that one. Yeah, you didn't miss too much. Although I guess it was sort of the best team game, probably the most efficient offensive performance they had um, all season. As far as like what was probably worthwhile to pull out of that, um, one it was good getting to see Leonard Miller get some reps with with Minnesota and and and. Uh, Wendell Moore Jr., who I covered at Duke and liked a lot, first round pick from a year ago. He looked he looked okay. Um, you know, not amazing in that game. And then getting to watch Amari Bailey and James Naji as far as the Hornets go. That was actually like made it slightly worth my time. But yeah, I uh, you ever have one of those days where like especially with what like for watching a game where you sort of like set up your afternoon around or your evening or whatever around watching this game, and as soon as you turn it on you realize just how many guys are not playing or someone's out that night or someone's out that afternoon. You're like, I, I just, I, you know, I probably would have structured my day differently if I had known that, you know, no Brandon Miller, no Nick Smith, no Kai Jones, no James, or, you know, no James Booknight. Like basically all of the former first round picks, you know, no Bryce McGowan's like they were with a pretty, uh, you know, with a lot of the you know G League type, Exhibit Ten type guys uh, getting playing time in this game, but still cool to see Bailey and and Najee, who I think, I mean, agree with me on this. Were those guys that Charlotte's two best players 
in preseason? Yeah, I think Najee for sure. I think Bailey, because he didn't see a lot of minutes, it was hard to kind of see him play on a consistent level. I, I wish he played a little bit more often, but in terms of like from, you know, game one until game, what have, how many games they play? Seven, I guess, technically. Yeah, seven. Four. Yeah, I, I would say that those two guys probably impressed me the most. I think James Booknight was probably the most disappointing. Kai Jones was hit or miss. Uh, I think I even think uh, Bryce McGowan's was hit or miss at times. Like there was times where he showed flashes, but there were times where it almost like he was locked into himself and not playing team basketball. But that was probably like the least impactful game because that was like the seeding game. And obviously, I think the um, the final game is tomorrow or Monday, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this. The final game for the Vegas Summer League is, is going to be taking place soon. So, all right. Let's start this episode with some rumors. Uh, we'll start with uh, the one from Hoops Hype, Michael Scotto. He mentions that the Hornets are looking for a backup point guard, a veteran point guard to be exact. He states that the 31-year-old DeLon Wright of the Wizards could be a trade target for Charlotte. Wright does have a contract of $8.2 million. And I feel, I could be wrong, I feel like we've had a conversation about DeLon Wright before, at least last offseason, just kind of briefly mentioned him in passing as a guy that could fill that void as the backup point guard. I think he is someone that, when you kind of look at his profile, you, you watch him play, he brings some noticeable skills that will be obvious right away. And if they're looking for someone that is a veteran, you know, he has been around the league, he is older, so this could feel, fit the bill that, Mitch Kupchak is going for. You do know what you're getting with him. He's a guy that likes to get to the rim. He can finish through contact, draw fouls. He does finish some really difficult shots as well. I was just watching some some clips of him this morning, and you know a lot of scoop shots, high off the glass. Um, he's not much of a perimeter shooter, but he is better than DSJ on that end. But where you're going to get most of the value with DeLon Wright is just you know pest on ball, getting steals, anticipating passing lanes, and he's very good at. One thing I noticed, like he digs down a lot off ball and gets the steal that way. And he's got height on him. He's not like he's 6'2 or 6'3. He's probably closer to what, 6'4, 6'5, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not entirely sure why the Wizards want to make this trade. I guess they're just trying to get younger, but he's only tied up for one more year, I believe. So it's not like they're having to hold on to this guy for too much longer. But what, what do you think of trading for a veteran like Wright? Well, I have a couple of different thoughts. One, yes, like you, we have definitely talked about Richie DeLon right at some point in the past. Like, as it turns out, when the team you cover is searching for a backup point guard for like the seventh consecutive offseason, that you tend to end up recycling names. Like, how many times have we talked about Seth Curry or DeLon yeah. Wright? I mean, it's, it's just in the, the post Jeremy Lynn era has just been like completely, uh, taken away by the fact that this team just could not nail down the backup point guard position. And, you know, maybe there was some way that at some point they could have transitioned Devonte Graham to that, but um, you know, ultimately that he ends up going out in a sign and trade about two years ago to the Pelicans, which none of the pick that got them, you know, Mark Williams, it's a rare moment of like good deal craft by this front office. Right. You know, would obviously play a role very similar to Dennis Smith jr. And you could see him as someone that Steve Clifford would like a lot, right? Like the six five screen navigator, steel artist in the, you know, maybe even in the Michael Carter Williams type role that Cliff liking that length, 
um, in event creation at the point of attack uh, defensively. And DeLon Wright, like he's got some interesting steals numbers, 3.7% steal rate last year. It's really good. Um, and in each of the last three seasons, um, each year with a steal rate of at least uh, 3%. Um, never been a great three-point shooter, but on on relatively low volume, 37% from deep over the last four seasons. So he's improved on that end. From Washington's perspective, I would say if they could get anything for this guy that they're clearly not going to bring back a year from now, that would be like a huge, huge win for them, which then brings me to the flip side. Like, as far as trading for DeLon Wright, uh, you know, trading for him as far as that goes uh, again a couple of thoughts here i like right as a player but like needing to shell out any sort of draft assets you know depending on i guess depending on what the hornets would do with kelly Oubre or pj you know i guess they in theory they could just have washington trade him into their cap space and then send you know a couple of second round picks or a second round pick hopefully heavily protected uh to washington but you know i don't know why washington would give him away unless they thought they were going to get some type of of asset in return not to beat a dead horse this all could have been avoided if they just drafted scoot henderson like you wouldn't have to figure out the uh the backup point guard position you could play he and lamello together and then platoon them and then let you know, Scoot be the guy that would organize and run the second unit. It was right there. They chose not to do it. And now they're going to have to figure out the backup point guard role in a different way. Hey, what do you think about this trade? Is this too much, too little? Are you thinking now? I guess the other options would be like you could point at like Book Knight, Kai Jones, or JT yeah. Thor, right? Like all yeah. of those guys are, are possibilities, I guess. I don't. It was the first one you mentioned. Book yeah, Knight. Book Knight. <laughs> So yeah, what what's your full proposal? Is it just book night for Delon Wright straight up? If you can get away with just book night, uh, I would do it. And- oh yeah, I would do that too. Like I like, I mean, in a vacuum, it's not amazing return to take a you know a, a lottery pick two years removed right, and then flip right. them for a, a one year rental of a backup point guard who is you know like who, who knows how how much how many games he would even swing for Charlotte next season. But yes, Book Knight is the is one of the guys who it's like if Hornets they need to check this box, they need a backup guard. You can see the defensive minded role for right. If it's just Book Knight, I don't love that, but I think I could I could stomach that one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, that, that was my yeah. proposed trade. Just, it, you know, the way that he's been playing, it just doesn't, he doesn't really inspire any kind of hope moving forward. <laughs> yes, he was a lottery pick. Yes, he was a first round pick and you're trading for a guy that's 31 years old and uh, may only be on your team for one more season. So it doesn't feel like that's the way to go. But I also don't have a lot of hope that Book Knight is going to turn it around. I mentioned on a previous episode, like he might improve by having a change of scenery, but I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to improve to the point where the Hornets might regret that. So who knows if the Wizards even value Book Knight? They probably have seen, you know, just what we've seen as well. It's it's yeah. not really moving the needle all that much unless you just feel like you can kind of re you know reestablish himself as a guy that needs a, a change of scenery type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, my guess would be that they have a lot of other young players on the roster that already are yeah. a priority above him. It would be kind of funny to have book Knight and Johnny Davis together on the same roster. Davis, another recent lottery pick that had a, had a pretty bumpy uh, rookie season. I'm, I still, I like Davis a lot as a prospect. I, I hope, um, I hope things turn around for him. Even, even as the, the wizards are going through a bit of a transition this off season post post Beal. But yeah, I mean like, if you could satisfy the backup point guard spot, then all it cost you was was book night. Like ultimately, I think that's that's fine. Um, I mean, I guess you could do this with Kai Jones too. And just given how crowded the center yeah. room is for the Hornets, like there's no pathway for like playing time for Kai this year. You know, like almost almost none, barring an an injury to Mark Williams or. Or Nick Richards, you know, I don't think Kai played particularly well in in summer league, but he's still at, at that size. He still has, you know, the, he is still a very impressive and fluid athlete. Um, so, like, I, you and I talked about Kai a couple of weeks ago, Richie. Like, I, I think he's going to continue to hold value around the league, even post Charlotte, simply because that length, that athleticism, will buy him. I think more than one opportunity um, in terms of different franchises that are willing to sort of uh, take a shot at him. Thor would be like, uh, would be pretty close to off limits for yeah. me. Like he's too scalable. He's already like a quasi rotation player for this team. He's still really young. Um, he's the youngest guy of that 2021 draft class. And like, especially depending on what happens with PJ, like, Thor could have even more value within the roster going forward. So he would be untouchable for me. I would at least hear the possibility of Kai or book Knight Again, that's not awesome value moving a first round pick. And in one of which was a future lottery pick potentially just to get a rental at backup point guard. I would be very hesitant to move draft capital. Like the Hornets don't really have like a, a ton of seconds moving forward. No, they they owe a lot out. Like yeah. they really do. Like I, I was actually going through this um earlier today. Like they owe us they owe a 2024 second round pick to either Portland or OKC. They owe a 2025 second round pick to Golden State. And right now, uh speaking of Kai Jones, the draft night trade that they made in 2021 
that future first, which has now been moved around several times. It was New York, then it was Atlanta, now San Antonio. Like that's lottery protected for each of the next two drafts in 2024 and 2025. If it doesn't convey in 2025, then it as a first round pick, then it becomes two seconds in 2025 and 2026. They have some seconds coming in, but only three. So again, I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be so flip with these things. Like it wouldn't be unless it was like top 55 protected. You know what I mean? Like I, in which case, then I don't know why Washington would really be even interested in in such a, a move. Yeah, and I, I think one of the easier ways that they could have just solved this problem because if you're, you know, if you're trading, obviously you're going to have to give up some kind of assets for Delon Wright. And I think Delon Wright would be perfectly fine in the situation here as a backup point guard. But if the Hornets had just re-signed. Dennis Smith Jr. and how that situation yes. played out because in the same article on Hoops Hype, it was noted that Charlotte offered him more than the minimum, but also hinted that DSJ had a greater opportunity to play in Brooklyn. So I'm not really entirely sure what that means in terms of more than the minimum. That could mean a whole lot of things. I actually got the sense that DSJ enjoyed it here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I personally would have loved to see him retain because of everything he brought to this team, especially on the defensive side of the court. I think in Brooklyn, he may have a bigger opportunity, but they've still got Dinwiddie, and who knows what Ben Simmons is doing over there. But, you know, it, it's not like he wouldn't have full reign over this second unit here in Charlotte, but yeah. maybe he sees something that I just don't. I also think what swayed DSJ, and ha- it was how quickly and how much interest Brooklyn showed in him. And I, I do wonder if Charlotte lacked a little bit of that aggression in trying to persuade him to stay. They probably didn't spend much time thinking about, hey, okay, how are we going to negotiate to keep this backup point guard on our team? And and like I said, it, it, it could have been it could have been for the biannual. Like if Charlotte could have offered the biannual, which would have been four and a half million, which was more than I believe the Nets offered him. Would be almost than, double what Brooklyn offered him, you know? Or they could have just offered him the non-bird exception, which is 120% of his minimum salary, which is $3 million, which I believe is still above what Brooklyn offered. So I think ultimately why DSJ left was, was two reasons. One, maybe he thought he had a better shot at playing in Brooklyn. And then number two, I think that the Nets really impressed him with the way that they showed early signs of interest. You know, Charlotte could have offered more. They did offer more, but... I guess I guess they just didn't seem like they were too aggressive in, in trying to keep them in Charlotte. Yeah, I mean it's a it's not a it was a nice job by Charlotte's front office to find Dennis Smith right. and to to sort of rehab him and and he turned into a really nice player and was I think one of the best like guard defenders, point of attack defenders, and screen navigators in the league last season. And he got steals in a, a you know a bunch of different ways. Um, as well, so it, it's tough to see him like turn into turn back into a real player, and then for Charlotte to just lose it for nothing. <laughs> like you know, I mean, it, it's like as someone that roots for Dennis Smith and covered him in in college at State, I'm happy to see him finding a, a pathway to being you know a, a a real NBA player again after some some tough years following his rookie season with the the Mavs. But for Charlotte to lose that for nothing is tough, and now they're out. You know, with McDaniel's going, you know, being traded to Philadelphia. Now he signed, I think, with Toronto this offseason. I mean, Charlotte's out its two best perimeter defenders from a season ago. Not like they were like a good perimeter defensive team, but like, you know, they they lost their two best perimeter defenders and they got what did they what did they get out of it? Like what did they get from McDaniels and in in DSJ? That's not 
like great business. And I would, which just brings me back very briefly to the Delon Wright hypothetical. Like, ultimately, it's bad business if you're giving yeah. up any sort of draft capital for a one-year rental of a veteran point guard. Um, and if, if again, if if it if they determine that like Wright's the target, they they talk business with Washington. The price is too high. I think the Hornets should just say whatever. You know, we'll go try to sign someone off the scrap heap. Or just like we're let Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward run the second unit. Like I, that's way better than like lighting another second round pick on fire. What I would say is that I thought about this a couple of days ago with DSJ. One, they're going to have an awesome defensive unit next season. <laughs> like Dennis Smith Jr., Michael Bridges, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton. I mean, that like they are like a sneaky, awesome defensive team. And just in terms of like really really plot like not just like good defenders and you know scheme guys that are like good within a scheme like those dudes are all awesome regardless of scheme um but they project to be a team that could be very very good switching and very very versatile with how they want to guard you know ball screens with nick smith and dennis smith jr like i think there's a good chance that like he starts for this team next year i mean like you look at the you you mentioned spencer dinwiddie but like the other guards on this roster like i you know, Cam Thomas can obviously can get hot and score. They yeah. signed Lonnie Walker this offseason. Um, I mean, I guess Ben Simmons is still there if you think of him as a as a point guard or as, you know, if he's still going to actually play next year. We'll see. But basically, like, I think there's a pathway to DSJ starting. That's true. Like, if you're Brooklyn and you just signed a really good defensive point guard <laughs> who might start for you, at what 2.5 2.6 million dollars like that's a steal for for brooklyn um he gives him a rim pressure guy which will be a nice fit next to michael bridges so i could see why he would like that it gets to run empty corner pick and roll that seems like a really good like uh the dennis smith jr nick richards empty corner pick and roll or dsj mark williams empty corner pick and roll those are really good actions for the hornets this season and now he'll get to do that with Nick Claxton while the floor is spaced by Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith. And what I would think for a guy like Dennis Smith Jr., like if he ever, maybe he wavered on the confidence with this at some point and perhaps he got it back last season, but that's a guy that probably wants to be a starter in the NBA and sees a pathway to him getting back to being a starter. And even if, even if only he's only in Brooklyn for a short period of time, it's like if he becomes a starter again and play plays well within that, then all of a sudden, like maybe the perception changes even league wide. And now all of a sudden it's not just, Oh, Hey, Dennis Smith jr. Is like a nice, like reserve guard and like a good defender, but maybe teams see him as someone that can also start. And if he starts for Brooklyn and they make the play in for and Brooklyn gets the eighth seed or like you could just see how it could like it could boost his um it could boost his value or perception league wide or whatever. So maybe maybe that's another reason why why he went for it. And there was just no way to him becoming the starter in the short a starter in the short term in Charlotte with Lamello and uh and Rozier right there. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, maybe he was swayed by the fact that there could be potential for him to start, but that'd be crazy if you had a starting point guard like him at two and a half million dollars. Uh, it's a steal. It's a steal. Not because like he's the best starting point guard, but because you're playing him in, on a minimum contract. 
And it feels like, wasn't there a, a previous Hornet player that boosted his career in Charlotte, then went on to Brooklyn? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we oh. named him about 15 minutes ago on this podcast, too, I feel like. But yeah, that that leaves us with where the Hornets go from here because the point guard or the backup point guard position is still very iffy. You mentioned Rozier, a guy that could, you know, stagger minutes, be the backup point guard. Do they try to trade for DeLon Wright? Do they try to go out and sign a guy like Ayo Desunmu? That that, you know, that doesn't seem like that's heading in that type of direction. It's funny. On Twitter the other day, I put out like my way too early rotation for the Hornets, and I was getting a lot of pushback, or not a lot, I would say some pushback, that Nick Smith Jr. should be getting more minutes to help run that second unit. I personally don't think, one, that's his natural position, nor do I think he's ready for that, and there's only so many minutes that can go around with a rotation. So I, I'm not sure he is the answer. Maybe they might try him here or there. So, Brian, my question to you maybe a prediction of what they're going to do and what would you do if you were in their position? Because I, to me, as it's kind of creeping, you know, obviously the, the off season is not over yet, but as like some of the major moves have already happened, I tend to think it's either going to be Rozier is going to be the backup point guard and, you know, split his time with the starters. Or I, I do kind of see this, this trade for DeLon Wright, something like that. Mm -hmm. I, for me, I've kind of ruled him out. I just don't know if that's really going to be the way that they go. Yeah, I mean, he would be, he would be a really nice pickup, but uh, I do like Io, even with his his sort of limitations offensively. And yeah, yeah I know also part of this report. I don't. Maybe you just maybe we mentioned it at some point, and I just missed it. But you know, apparently, the Hornets were trying to get in on Aaron Holiday, who ended up signing with the Rockets. I mean, it, you could see it's the same. You know, they're looking for. You know, cheap backup point guard, which again, nothing, nothing new here. It's funny. I saw when you mentioned Richie, when you mentioned the your like way too early projected rotation for next season. I did like the like Hayward in six man role. Like that is something that I don't know if you remember, but if you go back two seasons to the 21-22 season, when Hayward was out during the middle of the year. And Bridges and PJ were playing together at the at the three and four. Plumley was was in at the at a at the starting five. Like one of the things I proposed was Hayward coming back and being in the uh, the six man role. Like this is that's the lineup, right? Like it's it, you know just with Mark Williams in for Mason Plumley, but that would have been Lamelo, Rozier, Bridges, PJ, and center plus you know Hayward coming off the bench. Like I don't one, I definitely don't mind. Um, I mean, kind of like the possibility of 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 uh, Nick Smith getting some reps at backup point guard. I don't know how it would go. You know, I think he had some flashes at, at summer league and um, some flashes at Arkansas, even though he wasn't like their primary initiator. Um, but it wouldn't be bad to just throw him into the deep end and and see see how that goes. Especially because, like, I don't think, like, I mean, I think this the front office and coaching staff is going to push for the playoffs. But, like, I, I mean, I, I this is not a playoff team. So, um, but I wouldn't mind having see Hay seeing Hayward in that role. I don't know. Like, I guess there might be some other trades out there that we're not seeing. Someone in the in the comments mentioned a, a Darion Sebron trade for uh, backup point guard. I mean that would be amazing. I don't think New Orleans is is looking to to move him. I know they've got a lot of guards. If anything, I think New Orleans would be more interested in moving Kyra Lewis Jr. 
uh, who's who we've talked about as like a, a an interesting second draft player and, and someone that I wouldn't with his speed, um, I would be interested in. But I guess I think even to trade Sebron, unless I have this wrong, I think like New Orleans would have to convert. Like he's on a two way deal right now too. So like I I I'm not like as far as the the like the physical right. mechanics behind trading for someone like that, I'm not a hundred percent how that how that goes. But that would possibly. I mean, again, I just don't. Sebron would be incredible, but my guess is that New Orleans is gonna. I mean, they have a play. I think they have a player there. Um, and and if if I'm the Pels, I would be wanting to try to find minutes for him somehow, some way. I know they've got a lot of guards in wings, so it might be tough. But I don't know. Do you have any? Is there anyone? Is there any like veteran guard um, in the free agent pool that has piqued your interest, Richie, or uh, someone that you would at least you know kick the can on? I've not taken a real deep look at the free agent point guard list other than IU. <laughs> so yeah. I, what about, I, uh, what about is, is Kemba, <laughs> is Kemba still around? Yeah, I'm not sure his knees are going to hold up. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. I wouldn't even think about that. I guess <laughs> what were the other names that were floating out? Isaiah Thomas, John wall. Like those were the, some of the names that yeah. Crossed yeah. was as veteran guys that could fill that role. It's funny the uh, the guest that we had on on Saturday, Gary, and trust the buzz. He says that like if you were to acquire a veteran player, he, like he wants them to play, not just be a guy that's like on the sidelines. And I don't, I, I mean, I, I could see it going either way. I, I think having a veteran guy on the sidelines just as important as, as a guy that's out there playing. But you know, I, I think the Hornets' rotation roster seems to be pretty solidified outside of that backup point guard position. I think when it all comes down to it, I, I would not be surprised if they never acquire one. I, I just, I really wouldn't. Um, yeah. They, yeah. they could try Nick Smith Jr. They could try Rozier and just kind of configure it to where they have enough ball handlers and playmakers mm-hmm. uh, on the court at all times to where it just doesn't make a whole lot of difference. So, yeah. Like with, with Bridges and in Hayward, Smith, like there's like, there's Rozier, obviously. I guess book night if he's still there and like actually in the rotate, like there's enough ball handling quasi ball handling to like, I think piece it together. But yeah, if you could get right for a, a cheap trade, I guess then it's worth it. But um, if there aren't like a, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of great options to sort of be nimble in that transaction. All right. The final rumor that I would like to get to is the one that Jake Fisher reported over at Yahoo Sports. And he says PJ Washington has not drawn an offer from the Hornets that reaches Stewart, Isaiah Stewart, that is, a salary figure, sources said, of $16 million per season. So to me, when I read this, this was not a good sign for the way that the Hornets view PJ and they know that he's at the mercy of other teams in terms of the market and how it's dried up because I'm sure we talked about that last week too, Richie. So if, if some team throws that standard MLE his way, 12.4 million, Charlotte would match that in a heartbeat. So I, I don't think that's the route that it's going to take. I also think, and I don't even know if PJ, like, I don't know if PJ wants 16 million that matches Isaiah or if, or if he wants more. So the way that this report comes out, it, it sounds like he wants 16, but I, I almost view it as he, he could, you know, want more. Um, he just hasn't received that type of offer yet. I have my thoughts on how this will play out, but BG, what do you feel about this? And, and how do you think the situation ultimately plays out with, with PJ? It's yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Um, I mean, we've talked about this a, a lot the last few weeks, um, we've talked about PJ a lot the last four years, but this is a guy who 
hasn't even turned 25 yet. Um, he's been in Charlotte's rotation since day one, former lottery pick. Um, he's played a bunch of different roles for Charlotte. He showed even some new stuff in terms of his development uh, during his fourth season last year. He's a good two-way player. He can shoot, gives you a little rim protection. He can switch some, good team defender, um, good ball mover. The his own sort of like one-on-one playmaking is 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 pretty up and down, but it's not like it's something he's just like totally incapable of doing. But um, when you put him into a a pretty serious like a pretty you know a pretty narrow like catch and shoot or ball mover role, he can be very very efficient. And if you ask him to do more, he he can do that. He can do that too. He's shown the ability to do a lot of different stuff as a screener. And think about all the stuff that can do for you offensively with as a team with. Lamella Ball or a team, you know, with Brandon Miller. Uh, but PJ's shown himself, I think, to be a good screener. He doesn't have a ton of gravity as a, a diver, but he can do that. He can he can pick and pop, he can uh short roll and make plays out of the short roll, make passing reads out of the short roll. I would much rather have like if 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 you could get you know, if you could get PJ Washington on the same contract as Isaiah Stewart, like I'd rather have PJ Washington. I know uh Beef Stew, like I like Beef Stew. And he's shown some shooting capability too. And he looks like a guy that's probably maybe more likely to play the the four going forward, whether it's in Detroit or or elsewhere. So again, you can see again, some of the similarities between he and uh, he and PJ, who's, you know, sort of as split time at the four and five throughout his career, but is probably, you know, long-term a, you know, a stretch four. but it look, it's really disappointing. Like to, to see this, playing out this way um i totally get the thought process and richie i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this like i get the thought process of playing a little you know hardball or whatever because you can look out you can see the market there's there's no team with cast space that's lining up to, to throw pj a big offer and if anyone wants to hit him with the mle like they know the hornets can match that immediately so like yeah. why would a team even you know, why would a team even try to do that? But for PJ, this is like his first opportunity to get paid. He didn't get, there was no extension last summer. And he's seen guys on this roster drafted after him in the same draft, Cody Martin, and guys drafted a year after him uh, in in Richards. Those guys get new contracts or get extensions with this team. Um, and he hasn't been taken care of. Um I absolutely think PJ is someone that's worth 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year. Uh, Charlotte can certainly afford it. I think if you signed him to one of those types of deals, you could still trade it a year from now, two years from now, if you really felt like you had to do it. But I think he just fits so perfectly with LaMelo and Mark Williams and just really any type of roster you want to put around him. He's so malleable because of his shooting and team defense and length, and versatility and strength. That like it feels like there's you could play him pretty much anywhere. So I don't know why Charlotte wouldn't just say, "Hey, this guy's young. He's good. He's been with us for a while. He's already played in a lot of games with us. He's played in a lot of fourth quarters with us. He plays both sides of the floor well, which is something you can say about few, if any other players on the roster. Why wouldn't you just take care of him and bring him back? Like it. It's just it's um. Again, I get the thought process, but I just uh, I get the thought process for wanting to you know play hardball or yeah. or be or be judicious about it, like however you want to describe it. Like I I get it, but it just 
I don't, it doesn't feel like this is a team that's really like in a position to be doing something like that. And this guy's good homegrown player, former lottery pick, one of your rare draft success stories of this front office. Like, I, I just don't know why you wouldn't, I, yeah, I just don't know why you wouldn't try to take care of him and, and bring him back um, at, at a number that uh, makes sense for both team and player. Um, but yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about, how do you feel about Richie? Where are you um, after? Where, how did how did how did this report hit you uh, the other day? Yeah, I I ultimately and I, I get what you're saying, and I've said it too. It's like the leverage. I think the leverage obviously is on Charlotte's side. They they know what they're doing, and they don't seem to be budging. But I do think that there's like a, a human element to this, and in terms of if you're not willing to kind of meet in the middle with PJ, you probably just don't view this guy as a long term piece. And that's where I start to wonder if the Hornets played this correctly in terms of, you know, you had last offseason where they had the opportunity to extend him. They were not able to meet his salary needs. He played the season out month after month after month. You saw what you had in him. You didn't trade him at the deadline. Not that that's the way that I would have gone. But knowing that you as an organization had to come to the table this offseason and offer him something that he was willing to take and you haven't done so you almost wonder if they played this whole thing wrong so because if you're not going to hold on to this guy for multiple seasons and you are taking the risk of him playing this last season out on the qualifying offer there's a human element to it he's not he's not going to meet in the middle on his income next offseason when he's a unrestricted free agent so that is one thing that i do worry about I don't have a ton of hope that they will get to some kind of agreement, but if they can find some middle ground, that's the best route to take. Even if it means for the Charlotte Hornets perspective, you're paying him a little bit more than maybe you would originally be willing to, because I think down the road, this contract is not going to be as bad as you think it is if you're paying him 17, 18, 19 million dollars a year. Uh, one last thing that I do want to mention before we wrap up this episode, if the Hornets do a sign and trade where the Hornets sign him and then immediately trade him to another team, a couple of notes just to kind of throw your way. The deal must be three or four seasons long. I think a lot of people are familiar with that, but yep. Also, too, with the base year compensation, because he's a free agent with bird rights and would be receiving, you know, in all likelihood, a 20% raise from his previous salary, his outgoing salary is actually equal to 50% of his new salary. Meaning, if he signs for $18 million, let's just say, Charlotte's outgoing salary is now $9 million. So they can only bring back... 9 million plus some, you know, with the wiggle room or whatever. So I see a lot of like Tim Hardaway Jr. for PJ Washington, but I don't believe that that's possible with these rules, even though right now uh, they have similar contracts. And if he signed for 18 million, that'd be very, very close to what THJ was earning. There is a stipulation with the base year compensation. And this was, this is what happened with, uh, Aiton last year as well. Uh, it was very hard to trade him because he was getting this raise and it happened to be a sign and trade or a potential sign and trade. It made things difficult. So it might be one of those things if, if it's not a sign and trade and they do come to an agreement for a, a deal, like you were mentioning, they could just trade him 
later and they wouldn't have to worry about that. But that's the last note that I wanted to, to put that. Great, great point. It's an important thing to bring up regarding the sign and trade. And yeah, just one of the, like, again, he doesn't turn 25 until August. Um, this guy's still getting better. Um, and yeah, like, let's just say Richie real quickly, like if, if the Hornets signed PJ to a four year, $80 million contract this off season, let's say he has a season next year that is almost identical to what he's like to what he did last year or two years ago. Do you still think that like they can still trade that contract, right? Four year, 80 million. Yeah. Let's say, no, but let's say it's got 60 over, let's say it's got 60 over three years, uh, you know, 12 months from now. Gotcha. Yeah. I I think it's a very tradable contract. Yes. Agreed. Like that's, That's 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 ultimately why it's like why even again it's just like you can have you could trade this guy perhaps for more stuff down the line um, on on that type of deal uh, but but maybe not so I, I don't know it's one of those things like as we're thinking about like numbers and again if they can bring PJ back closer to sixteen or seventeen in terms of like average annual value that's great but I think even at like the high end of what his projected salary could be, I still think he's like one, a good player and two is still tradable. Yeah. Especially with the cap going up, it, it, you know, yeah. the percentage of the cap yes. goes down with that type of contract. So we will see how this plays out, but I, I do think there's a very good chance that he could just sign that qualifying offer. And that would be very odd to see bridges. It, and him. it would be, I think there's a possibility of that. I'm still, I remain perhaps naively optimistic <laughs> That he's gonna that they're gonna figure out a deal. It's gonna be seventy over four years or something, you know, something along those lines. And that he's back with some certainty for the Hornets. I would also just say, like, I don't know if the new ownership's gonna want two yeah. rotation guys, two starters, however you want to label them, c- coming, coming, becoming unrestricted free agents next summer at the same time with with PJ and Bridges. Like that my hope, my thought would be they might want to avoid doing that. And to to get to resign PJ would be the the way to avoid that uh, hypothetical. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that being an easy task. Even though Charlotte has the bird rights on both, that you're not going to be able to retain two unrestricted free agents. That's just not really <laughs> going to be a possibility. Okay, thanks to everyone who joined us live. Uh, if you want to support us, take a look at buzzbeat.substack.com for more information about our private feed. For thirty five dollars a year, you can get exclusive content ad-free episodes and early access to episodes like this one also just go share this with a hornets fan if they've not heard about this for brian i'm richie talk to you guys later take care Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.